Blog Talk Radio. Negative. 
Uh, last week was an interesting show because we're generally a pretty positive bunch here, but uh, there was some stuff I guess we both had to get off our chest. Um, so, yeah, definitely last week was our, probably the most negative show we, we've ever done, but it, it, there's stuff that just had to be said. Like I tell you, you know, last week was, was interesting because, Dave, you know, you brought up some, some great points, and, uh, you know, I had to, per your recommendation, I had to venture into the, the podcast world and start listening to podcasts. I really hadn't listened. I've heard some good stuff. So I decided that I had to go and, and listen to the Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast. It was my first, you know, heard so many good things about Steve Austin's podcast, and I was excited. And, and as, as I do most of the time, I'd say I watch the network. I listen, I listen to the podcast while, while I'm at the gym. And so I pop my headphone into, into my phone, and uh, I was listening to it, and I got, you know, it was funny because I was expecting kind of, uh, you know, almost I guess kind of what we do in a wrestling chat, and I pop on Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast. And just you know, just to give you an idea, like the, the podcast I listened to was, uh, it was basically Stone Cold was, was running errands and just decided he would talk us through it. And he was, you know, it was like on the, on the podcast, like, you know, where I, and I had to get up damn early because my wife's ride to the airport uh, was in the damn wrong place. And I meant to sleep in that day because I need my sleep, and I have not been getting enough sleep. So I had to get up early, drive my wife to the airport, then come back home. And I came back home, and I had to get some sleep because I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. So I sat down, and I had myself some IPA sweet water to get myself tired so I can go to sleep. I love my IPA sweet water. And I'm not recommending that you have a beer first thing in the morning if you need to go to sleep, and I'm just telling you that I need to have that beer so I could go back to sleep. And when I woke up, I had to go out and run some errands, and so I made myself breakfast. And I have 12 egg whites and, and some oatmeal for breakfast, and what I do is I make my eggs, but I make my oatmeal first. And what I do after I make my oatmeal is I put the oatmeal in the freezer so I can cool my damn oatmeal so I can eat it with my egg whites. And, you know, I had so many things to do today that I left my house, and I forgot to eat my damn oatmeal. Now my oatmeal's probably frozen solid in the freezer, and I need to get my carbohydrates. I probably have to go and get something to eat a little later on as I'm running my errands. And my wife has my billfold, so now I don't have any cash on me. i got to figure out how i got to pay for things. Austin 316 in the 90s meant I just whooped your ass. Austin 316 in 2014 means I got to put my oatmeal in the microwave for three minutes and 16 seconds. <laughs> and I was just, like, I, I'm on the treadmill, and I'm just, I'm cracking up. I'm just like, when is he going to get to, like, anything to do with pro wrestling? And he kind of hit on, like, you know, a conversation with Ric Flair briefly, and then it was back to him running his errand. So it was, it was entertaining. It was not what I expected. But, of course, I listened to that podcast – and not the podcast where he breaks news, which, which rippling effect across the world of pro wrestling that supposedly Stone Cold Steve Austin is now training for a comeback. Now, when you hear comeback, I'm assuming, and I'm sure, I'm sure everyone out there, I'm sure you too, Dave, when we hear comeback, we're not thinking comeback, wrestling, uh, a series of matches, I'm being comeback is is a one match kind of deal for Stone Cold. It's exciting to start to speculate now. 
Who should Stone Cold work with? When is he going to come back? Uh, it's amazing that we're starting to talk about, you know, is this is this now the beginning of the road to WrestleMania? I mean, it just seems to start earlier and earlier. But, I mean, there's so – I mean, Stone Cold is is over the top, you know, it's so popular. Um, you know, I know we talked about it here uh, where Stone Cold said he was bigger than Hulk Hogan, and we thought that that's a lie. But that, that's, that's a pretty good ballpark to be in. I mean, unless it's Hulk Hogan – to me, is bigger than Stone Cold ever was. Stone Cold is in that ballpark, and that that's a nice place to be. So for a guy like him to be toying with coming back at least for one more match is pretty exciting. So, Dave, let the speculation and the fantasy booking begin. With this news, where do we go with that? Uh, well, it's, I mean, it's, uh, you know, Steve Austin's been, you know, uh, toying with the idea of returning for several years now. I mean, you know, speculation on his in-ring return began when news broke that his in-ring career was virtually coming to an end, despite there not being a formal announcement from him. So, um, you know, he's gone back and forth on the on the matter. He's discussed um, wanting to make a comeback for one more match. Uh, it's got to be the right money, the right circumstances, the right guy to work with and the creative process that goes behind it. Um, and then he's also said that his body can't hold up and he has no desire to make a return to the, to, to, uh, the WWE for one more match. So he's been back and forth with it. Um, but, I mean, he said it on the podcast, I'm training for a comeback. So, um, I mean, where do we go with it? Um, you know, a lot of people speculate it's going to be at WrestleMania in the spring next year, which could very possibly be the case. But, um if you want, if you really think about it, I mean, in the past several years, in the past you know four or five years, WrestleMania has been somewhat of the the nostalgia tour, um, if you will. I mean, you know, Brock Lesnar made a return the night after WrestleMania 28, and uh, he's had a couple of WrestleMania matches, one being against the Undertaker this past year, where he broke the streak. So the mystique with the streak is current is virtually over now. That's not a big selling point for WrestleMania. Um, brought Hulk Hogan back to be the basically the walking infomercial for WWE at WrestleMania this year. Um, that seems to have died down now. I mean, Hogan will still be a part of programming, but um, he won't be a big selling point. Uh, I mean, Triple H has made little comebacks. The Rock, of course, you know, headlined two WrestleManias. Uh, you could technically say three, even though he didn't wrestle in one of them. Uh, and his his star seems to fade. So the, the next really big name, in the, in the in the in the wrestling business from you know a decade or two ago would be Steve Austin and that and that's a that's a big drawing point um, you know for, for WrestleMania his comeback uh, I do think though that from what I'm reading they want they they want to increase his role on WWE television they just don't know what their what their plans are yet um, it could. This all could be, you know, secret and under wraps, and he could eventually work a match. We don't know that for sure. But um, my personal feeling is that I don't think they should rush it necessarily. Uh, you know, coming back at WrestleMania 31, maybe they should maybe they should have, uh, you know, announce him as, like, the guest host. Or maybe he gets a role on television as the general manager for the entire WWE, and he kind of answers with the authority. And maybe we see, you know you know, verbal disputes with the authority. You know, Stephanie McMahon, he does have a history with the McMahon family uh, in WWE storylines. Maybe they make him a special guest referee for next year's WrestleMania, which then could lead to 
his involvement in next year's, you know, the following year's WrestleMania, which is rumored to be in Dallas at Cowboys Stadium. Um, and Steve Austin is a folk hero in Texas. He's like John Wayne. They love him there. I personally think, in my opinion, he's the only person in the wrestling business that past or present that could break the, the WrestleMania three attendance record if they were to hold WrestleMania in that stadium. Um, and I think that we should probably, his involvement in WrestleMania 31 could be similar to how Rock's involvement was from 27 to 28 um, and how you start something and then it finishes the following year. I wouldn't necessarily book the match between him and whoever they decide to put him up against the night after WrestleMania and go the similar treatment that they did with The Rock and John Cena because I think that, you know, there were different circumstances as to why they announced that match um, a year ahead of time. Um, but if Austin were to play an integral part of storylines as a regular character or a semi-regular character on WWE TV after WrestleMania 31, then you could build towards the individual that he has the, the current beef with to, you know, call him out on TV and verbally, you know, bait him into a match. And then you could build up Monday Night Raws and even a pay-per-view of, of Austin potentially making a decision of if he's going to accept this challenge. And then you strategically place that announcement right around the time when they announced ticket sales for the upcoming WrestleMania in the following year, and then boom, you're off to the races. The story's told right there. Steve Austin returning from after a decade of, of retirement to, you know, come to Texas, Dallas, where he got his start in the wrestling business, and, and wrestle one more match against, you know, God knows who. Um, I just think that would be the better fit for him. I, and, and Austin's even said it best. Creatively, he would want something that's like six months, eight months build to, to, to get to a match. He's very old school. And I don't think, um, you know, starting in the beginning of 2015, a two-month build to a WrestleMania match would be something that would be satisfying for him um, or for wrestling fans in general. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot to digest because it's 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 no exaggeration how huge – Austin is and for him to to come back I mean you know him coming back is is you know damn near close to you know when Hogan came back and Hogan wrestled the rock I mean Stone Cold is is in that that stratosphere again I don't put Austin equal or superior to Hulk Hogan but he's he's in the zip code I mean he's in the ballpark so him you know coming back or potentially coming back is definitely big news um like you said, fans have speculated forever. Um, and, and, you know, when, whenever a guy is hurt and and walks away, the speculation of a return, especially in wrestling, uh, is always great. But as each year goes by, the speculation kind of diminishes a bit because obviously the guy is getting older. Now, the window is definitely closing for Austin. Austin, uh, I, I believe he's 49 years old. So, you know, flirting with 50, um, you know, how many years will – you know, can he continue to train hard? Um, you know, you got to figure if he's going to have that comeback, either program, comeback one match, it's got to happen within the next couple of years. Um, interesting stuff on the Facebook page. If you want to get on there, again, it's facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. Of course, why not? Let's get our fantasy booking going. So we pose the question, if Austin came back, who would you want to see him work with and why? And we got a couple of you chimed in there. Ronaldo Santiago said, interesting angle. Steve Austin versus Rusev. You have the 
Texan versus Cummy angle. Good intro for Austin after a few warm-up matches, vignettes, and you have instant elevation for Rusev to the top of the card, unless you want to keep him holding up the mid-card, which he is one of their strongest pillars at this point. Good points by Ronald. And Dank, our friend Dank, he puts he chimes in. Before I even read Ronaldo's comment, Rusev is what came to mind. I'd also like to see a member of the Shield. They're all good, and I think all three would work well with Steve. Roman more so is the closest person to The Rock we have. It would almost be like a nod to the older era. And Scott Schweinford said, there is really nobody on the current roster. Brock is too dangerous. So uh, interesting. And I would agree with Scott. I, I would not match up Stone Cold with uh, you know a- anyone who, who, who's got a, an, an iffy neck. Um, yeah, not putting him in the ring with Brock, not taking that chance. Um, Interesting that, you know, Ronaldo and Dank both uh, mentioned Rusev. And I'm not sure I get the storytelling uh, there with, uh, you know, Steve Austin being, uh, you know, the Texas American versus Rusev. I think the the storytelling works. I, I think the lead-in would be very interesting stuff, uh, a few months of them chiming back and forth. Um Style-wise, I'm 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 not sure about the the match itself, how that would come off. But uh, interesting to start to to speculate. I don't really know who I'd necessarily if I had to go go out there and start fantasy booking. Um, the one guy, and and you know he's he's not my favorite, especially now. But uh, because of the some of the history and 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 what you've heard in the past. Uh, it would be interesting if we had a return of CM Punk and we had Stone Cold calling out CM Punk and those two had a match. I thought I think that could be very entertaining. Um, you know, that would be a big if, uh, if, if CM Punk were to come back, and I think that could be a really interesting program. As far as the, the current roster, I don't know. I, I don't know who I'd, I'd have to really think about that. I, I you know, I like uh, perhaps uh, guys in the Shield, um you know, if you have Austin against the authority, as Rollins would, would make sense, at least right now. But, you know, we're speculating he could be coming back in two years uh, for WrestleMania. So who knows what the landscape will be at that point. Um, but it's interesting and fun to speculate. Uh, your thoughts on who you'd want to match Austin up with, Dave? Well, I I'm, I will comment briefly on the Rusev situation. Um, I I agree. The storytelling, you know, the, the, the concept, the idea behind, you know, the the, the Red-blooded Texas redneck against you know the, the the hated evil Russian. I think it could work because Steve Austin is as blue-collar as a character as he comes in wrestling, and it would definitely relate to you know middle-class America. But they would have to from now to whenever they decide to you know if they were to decide to put Rusev in that position, Rusev would have to kill everybody and he'd have to win the belt in order for him to be believable on the level of Steve Austin, in my opinion. I'm talking everybody. I'm talking Cena. I'm talking Orton. I'm talking Daniel Bryan, Bray Wyatt, like you name it. He's got to go through that roster. And you know, Brock Lesnar, and, and efficiently to put him in that position to make it believable. And I don't think that that's the case, that, that that's going to happen. Guys in the Shield, um, I mean, I don't know. I, I I still think that they got their way to come up, like you said. We don't know what the landscape could be in a couple of years if they decide to have Austin wrestle at WrestleMania 32. 
The only guys currently on the roster right now that are believable are Triple H, Brock Lesnar, John Cena, and maybe, maybe, maybe Randy Orton. CM Punk in, in the in the equation, if he were to come back, if he were to, you know, this may be something that would entice him to come back to WWE. But um, I, I just don't know. It would have to be, I mean, main event, the last match on the card, the selling point for that pay-per-view. You know, Austin has said in the past that, you know, creatively, he doesn't want to play second fiddle to anybody. Um, he kind of played second fiddle the last time he appeared at WrestleMania um, you know, in a in a, a more active role when he was the referee in that debacle with Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler because that WrestleMania was was sold solely on the the, the the fact that The Rock was hosting it. Forget the rest of the card. People bought that WrestleMania to see The Rock return. Steve Austin was an afterthought at that WrestleMania. So Austin would want to be, you know, you know, top of the list, A number one, as Frank Sinatra would say. And uh, there's probably a few guys on that list, like, a dynamic, you know, with him and Cena, the two polarizing different characters would be very intriguing. Um, you know, some, somewhat of, he's got a history with Triple H and storylines, his character does. You know, if you were to make him the GM that was appointed by the board of directors against the authority's wishes, and there's that friction of Austin, you know, a new level of Austin versus McMahon in a way. Even though Triple H is technically not a McMahon, he's married into the family, but his last name is not McMahon. So you would you would almost have a a, a, a reborn of Austin McMahon angle, and uh, you know Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar would ki- I mean he would kill him. His he's, knees and neck are fragile. I wouldn't I, I wouldn't be able to, to 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 sit through and watch that, especially the way that Brock Lesnar has been manhandling people left and right. I don't think it would be believable that Steve Austin, at 50 years old, knowing the condition that his body is in, could beat a Brock Lesnar. So those are probably the the, the 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 candidates currently right now that I would put up against Steve Austin in a WrestleMania match. Yeah, so I mean it, it's it, and again it, you know I know some people poo poo on on fantasy booking. Uh, it's fun though to you know and a guy like Austin comes out and says something like that. It's fun to start to speculate where exactly they could go with it. Let you know you guys you know you want to speculate whatever we're not going to judge here. You want a fantasy book? Give us a call, 347-838-9815. Let's go out to the phones right now, because we got Tony on the line. Tony, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. How you guys? How you guys doing? Doing all right. Uh, we are just curious. Like, I mean, you've been watching wrestling for a while. Are you an Austin guy? Um, I wasn't really a big fan of his when the, you know, like, during the whole Attitude Era, and like, the whole Attitude Era, I wasn't really watching at that point, because I, I kind of wasn't used to it, so I was it was a little bit too over the top for me, you know, like, too... It was like too edgy, so I didn't, I didn't really get into it. But I mean, I know about you know, like Austin, you know, and everything. I know about the big, the big draw he was back then. I know. Uh, as to who you book him against now, uh, two come to mind. Maybe, maybe you can do him and Dean Ambrose, since Ambrose is supposed to be the other crazy guy. You know, like the anti-authority guy. You can do those two. Or and I don't even know if this guy will be even anywhere near WrestleMania by the by the time you know they could do they, they could do Bray Wyatt. I don't yeah, it's know. funny. I mean, I, 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 those two guys, and I thought about Bray Wyatt. Um, the interesting thing about Bray Wyatt right now is, and, and you know, I, jeez, just don't know what they're doing with him. And you know, I, I don't know. Like, you know, they brought back Jericho. Jericho had a program with Wyatt. Um, do you bring back another 
you know, guide. I, I don't know. Like, I, I think it could be a fun program. But I guess for me, and who knows how long, if it's going to happen, uh, I, I look at Wyatt and I'm like, I, I don't I don't necessarily want Wyatt losing. And you got to figure that Stone Cold is going to wind up winning this match. I do like the Ambrose idea. I, I do think the, uh, you know, two anti-establishment guys uh, getting it on uh, could be uh, – an interesting prospect. Uh, you know, those guys jawing at each other promo-wise could be a lot of fun leading up to it. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how exactly they would, would play that off storyline-wise because, you know, both of them would have a problem with the authority. But it, it's interesting because you go back and forth with, you know, kind of storyline versus what the match would be like. And I, I'm trying to kind of figure out what exactly the storyline would be for him and Ambrose. But I think out of everyone we mentioned, that match might be the best out of, out of everything that's that's been mentioned. So, interesting stuff. Uh, you know, are, are you excited, though? I mean, you know, a lot of wrestling, you know, the the, the older guys come back. And, and you know, it's funny because wrestling fans, you know, if it's an older guy that they don't like, uh, then they, you'll, you'll hear wrestling fans get pissy. Oh, you don't need to bring an old man back. And if it's an old guy that, that you like, then it's like, oh, yeah, woo, he's back. I, I mean, hearing the word that he wants to come back, uh, again, we're speculating for one last match. Uh, does it get you pumped up as a wrestling fan? Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's like a lot of the, you know, like a lot of the old, you know, guys who have been, who haven't been in the ring for a long time, you know, they say they're going to make a comeback and it's like, you don't know what it's going to be. It's like, and then, and, and Part of me hopes it's like it's not because you don't know. I mean, you know, his like you said, his uh, he's you know he's taking a lot of bumps over the years and everything. So I I, I don't know if I would necessarily even want to see him get in the ring just because of you know it's like who knows what who knows what could ha- what might happen to him. You know, like it's like yeah, I definitely wouldn't put him in there with Brock because <laughs> you know Brock is Brock is just too too uh, too stiff. But uh, I don't know. I mean, him coming back. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if he is going to have a match. I, I mean, I would hope that it would be, you know, it's like since he's the, since he's the older guy, and you know, the, I, I would, you know, I mean, he should, you know, he should, he should put over whoever it is he's, he's he'd be uh, in the ring with, uh, you know, if it's a WrestleMania or whatever. If he's going to be facing Dean Ambrose or whatever, I think, you know, it's like he, I'm the, you know, it's like the, the thing to do with, for me. I, it's like I, you know, he, he put to me, he, he put the other guy, you know, he put the other guy over. You know, get the other, you know, have the younger guy beat the established guy. It's the other way around because then, you know. Yeah, you know, it is, though, and, and I agree with you there. But, I, you know, looking back to Miami with The Rock, that, you know, and as Dave kind of speculated, if, if they wait till 32 and the speculation is that they're going to do WrestleMania in Texas, I, I would be absolutely floored if, if Austin loses. To me, Austin's going to win that match. So. Yeah, like you said, I, I agree with you in, in the, you know, truest sense that the, the veteran and the older guy should put over the younger guy. I'm just not sure if, if they'll actually go in, in that direction. You do bring up a good point, Tony. And, you know, it's funny with some of these guys when they come back. I mean, when when Hogan returned to the WWE and wrestled uh, The Rock, it was awesome. It was a great match. And even when, when Hogan, you know, the, the, the match was rough. Uh, with Sting in, in TNA, um, you know, the street fight uh, when Hogan turned on Immortal. Uh, but the storytelling was really good. I, I thought it was it was a cool moment um, for Hogan. Um, it definitely worked, and I found it entertaining. Uh, but then you look back on when, when uh, Bret Hart 
came back into the ring. Um, I know Brett's had more health issues than any of these guys. Um, I was sad. I, I, I found it depressing um, just seeing, you know, how bad off he he, he was. And even, uh, you know, when they had the handicap match at uh, 25 with uh, um, but Jericho versus uh, Steamboat, Snooka, and Piper, uh, like, Snooka made me sad. Um, I would, you know, so yeah, you, you hope that if Austin comes back, he, he looks good, uh, presentable. You know, I, I don't want it to be, a, you know, an old guy that's that's just coming back. So, you know, again, it's fun to speculate, and if he can go, it's it's an exciting prospect. Uh, you know, I just hope, uh, you know, whatever they do, it it, it works. You know. We're about a minute from our, our break, so we got you, Tony. We're, we're we're talking, you know, really in the hypotheticals of what might happen with Austin. But before we let you go, just a, a thought on last week in WWE programming. Uh, we, we were pretty negative on the show last week. Uh, what'd you think of Raw and SmackDown this past week? Eh, so I don't know. Nothing really. Uh, <laughs> nothing really different from um, from what we've been seeing. Uh, you know, it's. Raw was Raw was, like you know, but that whole that whole segment with the uh, you know with the briefcase with Ambrose, you know, Ambrose throwing them you know, with the merchandise, and then um, you know Rollins coming out and that that the stupid slime coming out of the briefcase was I did oh man that just that just made me groan. Um, that, that was just ridiculous, and we had like three divas matches that were like didn't really do anything. Uh, I don't know, and then we had like. Yeah, what was Cena and Ambrose against Kane and Orton, and we had that they had that on SmackDown also, and then on SmackDown. So it's just kind of weird, you know. It's it's, it's like you got Cena and Ambrose both want Rollins, and now they're going to have to face each other to get the hand. It's I I, I find that to be kind of dumb. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's a lot of the same stuff. I mean, I'm sorry, I I kind of dug uh, Ambrose's promo. Um, I get what you're saying though, with the slime coming out of the. Uh, the briefcase. So as soon as I saw that, I just thought you can't do that on television. So first thing I thought of, like, do you remember the show? You can't do that on television. Anyone? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> I've heard like, of it. I got it. Every but, time yeah, that, that's why Nickelodeon they slime. If you say I don't know, green yeah. slime will fall out of the ceiling. So that was uh, that's immediately <laughs> what I thought of. Showing my age. Okay, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I kind of get what you're saying there. Yeah, it did look like that, that Nickelodeon show slime or whatever that stuff was. But uh, yeah, it's. And then they replayed it like 15 times throughout the throughout the rest of the they night. They replay everything 15 times. They I know. Replay everything like, 15 times. That's 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 what they do because it's a three-hour show. They need time to fill. Unfortunately, yeah, no, I think I I don't agree with it, but. It's, yeah, it's, it's I mean, nothing, they, they, even new. They, they even replayed it during the match. As the match was going on, they were like, hey, let's take another look at it. It's like, during the match? <laughs> I mean, jeez. That was just too that was, oh, bad. Yeah, I know, yeah, they all, you know, like, you, I know you talk about how they recap, they replay everything, you know, like, a hundred times throughout the night because whatever reason, I don't know. But, you know, yeah, that's, that's, another, that's another thing they do that's kind of dumb, too, but... I mean, it's like SmackDown becomes like, you know, a show that's, uh, you know, dominated by Raw replays and Raw's three hours and that's dominated by just moments ago replays. And, uh, 
it, it does get a bit redundant. Tony, thanks a lot for the phone call, and uh, talk to you next week. Yeah. Take it easy. Always a pleasure. And there we go, Tony, with some insight. We got to get into, like, what happened last week on, on all the shows and – you know, a little, little fantasy booking never hurt. Had to get into the Austin speculation, but let's get into WWE programming and what you have in store tonight on Monday Night Raw. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. We're going to get to phone calls after the break. But now it is time for the Day 550 News Report. Thank you very much, Ken. You heard the man, Dave Five, fifty fifty News Report. Only heard top of the hour every single Monday night here at the Ken Reedy Show. Our first story this week. It seems that speculation has taken over here at the Dave Five News Report on one individual's whereabouts in the world of professional wrestling as the buzz in the industry this week has landed on the shoulders of 2007 WWE Hall of Famer, good old JR, Jim Ross. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ross revealed in his weekly blog this week that he has expressed interest in calling the action at the upcoming New Japan Pro Wrestling Tokyo Dome show on January the 4th, 2015. With that statement and the announcement of Jeff Jarrett's Global Force Wrestling airing their inaugural event on pay-per-view on January the 5th, 2015 from the Tokyo Dome in Japan in conjunction With New Japan Pro Wrestling, many have speculated a potential working relationship between Ross and GFW. Since Ross's abrupt departure from WWE back in August of 2013, many have wondered where and when, arguably, the greatest play-by-play guy in the history of the business will resurface to another wrestling organization. Several outlets have reported that allegedly Ross and Global Force Wrestling have had preliminary discussions regarding a working relationship, but nothing has been signed or agreed upon by both parties, and it's only been discussion at this point. Speaking of Global Force Wrestling, in our second story, reports have surfaced this week that Global Force Wrestling allegedly are in talks with the same exact television networks that are in negotiations with TNA Wrestling to secure a television contract for themselves. Reports out say that not too many networks are even interested let alone considering picking up a pro wrestling TV show, unless that is, of course, WWE. TNA, however, is a leg up on Global Force Wrestling in terms of securing a new television deal, as they already have talent signed to contracts, are up and running as a daily operation, and they're 12 years in business as an organization, not to mention being a proven commodity on Spike TV for just about a decade. The one big drawback both companies face is that the current networks they are in negotiations with do not air their programming in Canada. This poses a huge problem for both companies as Canada is seen as the second largest market outside of the United States for professional wrestling. WWE's recent acquisitions of international stars Kenta and Prince Devitt, now known as Hideo Itami and Finn Balor, respectively, have been the talk among the NXT locker room. Allegedly, it's being discussed that WWE officials want to move their progress even further and call them up to the main roster a lot sooner than some of the NXT talent currently down on their roster. The company wants to capitalize on both individuals' international notoriety by shooting them up to the main roster, which could potentially increase fan base overseas in the Japanese and Ireland markets, respectively. 
PW Insider broke the news this week straight from the horse's mouth, that horse being ECW original Tommy Dreamer, that the upcoming House of Hardcore 7 event on November the 15th, 2014, from the old ECW arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, will be broadcast live on Internet pay-per-view. Scheduled to appear are Matt and Jeff the Hardy Boys, the Young Bucks, former TNA star Austin Aries, current TNA stars Ethan Carter III, TNA Tag Team Champions The Wolves, and TNA Knockout Velvet Sky, along with D.H. Smith, former WWE star and son of the late British Bulldog Davey Boy Smith, as well as many more. And, in quotes, big, big surprises, as quoted by Tommy Dreamer himself. It's interesting to note that TNA has currently allowed all talent to take indie bookings due to the company's uncertainty in question and without a future television deal announced or in place, as long as talent does not appear on rival organizations' TV shows, pay-per-view events, or Internet pay-per-view shows. should be interesting to see how this all unfolds as numerous TNA talent are being advertised for this huge event. And our final story, speaking of uncertainty in TNA, as it's been the trend for the better part of a year now, the Wrestling Observer reports that numerous TNA stars have reached out to Ring of Honor and Global Force Wrestling for potential work in the event TNA decides to close its doors in the very near future. Many talents reached out to Jarrett's Global Force Wrestling, but most aren't considering GFW an option until they see the company is operational by signing talent and running television taping. On the Ring of Honor front, the company has only expressed interest in former Ring of Honor standouts current TNA World Tag Team Champion Eddie Edwards, and the Samoan submission machine, Samoa Joe. And there you have it, folks. That was the Day 5 News Report. The top five stories this week in the world of professional wrestling, only heard at the top of the hour every single Monday night, where you can listen to the best in pro wrestling talk, the Ken Reedy Show. Ken, take it away. Good stuff, Dave. All the news you need to know in the world of professional wrestling. Give us a call, 347-838-9815, the number to call. We got people on the Facebook. They're chatting away there. Check out Facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. Twitter, at The Ken Reedy Show. And, of course, our website, TheKenReedyShow.com. All the ways you can get in touch with us here at The Ken Reedy Show. Dave, you know, interesting stuff coming out of Tony before the break. And I want to get into it because... I kind of, I like the Ambrose promo. Um, I get what Tony's saying, the 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 green slime in in the the briefcase, uh, maybe a little hokey. Um, You know, the way they were playing it, something was going to happen. You knew something was going to happen with the briefcase. Um, But, you know, when we were talking last week, about just wanting to see something different. Give us something that that is just, you know, out of the box a little bit. Um, I found Ambrose's gig kind of out of the box. I thought it was something kind of cool and interesting, Um, you know, running up there and and robbing the souvenir stand and running around uh, throwing throwing, uh, T-shirts out at a... you know, the audience, uh, you know, the audience going, going, you know, the crowd going nuts, uh, you know, grabbing the duffel bag and throwing T-shirts out at the crowd uh, in a weird way to me was, was reminiscent or reminded me of uh, Andre the Giant throwing money to the crowd uh, after wrestling Big John Stud. Um, 
You know, I thought it was neat. It just kind of it kind of reminded me of that moment, which I thought was cool. Uh, his promo was was good stuff. He's got a unique style with the way he talks, um, and I I just I found it really funny. You know, we talked a lot last week about you know when you you put stuff out there on, on wrestling and and you know don't insult my intelligence. And I thought it was kind of funny when Ambrose said. You know, are are you know you brought the cruiserweight division out, and uh, you know now I guess uh, the authority has their own version of the Stooges. And uh, when the cops came out, and he said, uh, "Are you sure you guys are cops? Because I could have sworn you were rosebuds last week." I thought all that stuff was pretty funny. It was pretty. It was funny, but Ambrose still maintained his character. It wasn't stupid funny. It wasn't comic relief funny. It was just. You know, in the context of Ambrose being Ambrose, I, I thought it worked. There was something out of the box, and I, I get what Tony's saying, but I, I don't. I kind of liked it, and I thought that that Ambrose is kind of one of those guys that, uh, as we look for people to be kind of flipping the script and changing things a little bit, um, Ambrose he might be leading the charge. I kind of liked what he did last week. I didn't mind it. I thought the promo was pretty good. Um, I I understand where Tony's coming from. The whole green slime thing. It kind of seems very obnoxious and uh, you know uh, PG like. Um, but I mean the the, the promo was good. Um, you know uh, points. You know that you just made. You know just now or or you know I take them all into account and I agree with you 100 percent that you know as we're looking as fans for somebody to flip the script and kind of switch things up a bit. Ambrose seems to be one of the very few guys on the roster that's doing that now. Um, point I made last week was that, you know, when we, when you and I and other people that listen to the show um, watch wrestling, you know, back in the day, we were, we would look at, at guys and be like, yeah, that role fits them. They're putting them in this role. Okay. Yeah. That's believable. That makes sense. Like they look like they would fit that part. Nowadays they put guys in roles and try and rehash certain storylines and angles and we all look at each other and are like really they're going to do that with this guy they're going to bury him like this isn't good for him he should be doing this instead not saying that we are all experts at this and that we are you know we we know more and are more knowledgeable than what wwe and their creative department know but um from a fan's perspective it just doesn't come off very believable with some of these guys and especially in the promos that they cut too, the interviews you know, they all sound the same. It's very scripted. It's very, you know, robotic, and it's it, it, it's almost like you know the they're uh, you know guys are coming off of a conveyor belt in a factory, and they're, and they're 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 saying the same stuff and doing the same things. Whereas guys like Dean Ambrose, for instance, he looks like he's he looks like he's a lunatic. He plays that part really well. Part of me believes that that, that that's part you know that's him. Some of those parts of him, he's not full blown crazy, but. He's got that eccentric, different, gritty, kind of, you know, uh, over-the-top, uh, you know, wild man style to him that's something different to w- in WWE right now that we haven't seen in quite a while. And he plays that role really well. And it, when he talks, it comes out naturally. It comes out organically. It doesn't sound scripted. Same thing with Bray Wyatt, too. Bray Wyatt plays that character very well. And part of that character and the thoughts that come out of that character's mouth could be an extension of his real personality. However, um, he doesn't sound like he's just another robot in the system saying what they want him to say. It, it sounds like the things that he says 
are coming straight from his heart or he's writing them down or he's got most of the input on his promos. And that's what I liked about the Ambrose promos. It was just, like you said, very different, fourth wall-like, um, you know, insider references. Uh, you don't want to throw too many insider references out there in promos nowadays because, quite frankly, it would take the, the element of, uh, you know, uh, surprise and believability in, in wrestling and then the characters gone. But um, I think that I, I think they're going in the right direction with Ambrose and Ambrose is to me now, I think he's right place, right time kind of guy. Roman Reigns was the guy that they've been looking at. And I think they're still going to be looking at him as to be a big name in the company for years to come. But Reigns has been hurting. Ambrose has been stepping up and he's been that guy. And Ambrose's popularity keeps growing and growing every single week. He got a huge pop in Chicago, um, and they're going to be in Brooklyn and you know Barclays Center tonight. In New York Northeast crowds are are, are 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 tough crowds to please, but Ambrose is one of those guys that um, you know they they like him there. I saw him at a house show against RVD last year in Barclays Center in Brooklyn, and it was the first match on the card, and he got a pop, a big pop, and he was supposed to be the heel at that time. So I think Ambrose is now in that in the role where Daniel Bryan was last year where week by week by week his popularity is growing. And it's all dependent on Ambrose's talent and what, you know, he, how he's handling what the writers are giving him in order to perform and grow his character and be a bigger star than he already is. So, um, you know, I didn't think that I would be talking about Dean Ambrose like this. I thought I was going to be talking about Roman Reigns like this, but Reigns has been hurt. Um, so Ambrose has stepped it up, and to me, it's been something di- – that's been the bright spot for WWE TV, in my opinion. Everything else has just been pretty bland and boring to me. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the other stuff, uh, you know, boils down to, like we keep saying, lazy creative, lazy writing. Um, you know, to continue to give us the same matches on Raw and SmackDown, uh, you know, just it, – it it just gets old. And you're right, you know, and and – Rome wasn't built in a day, and you hope some of these things, you know, some of these changes are, are you know, coming down the pike that are, that are changes for the better. And, you know, we've heard for years, you know, back in the day, you know, I mean, you watch the, the, the Piper documentary. Well, you know, Piper would, you know, say, yeah, you know, I'm on my way to the arena. I have no idea what I'm going to say. You know, the, the guys back in the day, they were given bullet points, and – they just ran with it um, somewhere along the line. And again, I don't work for the WWE. I don't know, but you hear the rumblings, you hear the speculation that, you know, somewhere along the line, things changed and they brought more and more TV writers into the WWE. And then they started like really scripting the promos. And I'll, I mean, I've, I've had firsthand experience with doing stuff like this, you know, when when it's scripted, like then you're really concentrating on memorizing word for word, and and it can come off as as very mechanical, especially when you're doing wrestling. Look, if you're in a play and you got to memorize your lines, you're doing the same play, you know, every night. So once you got your lines down, you got your lines down. You know, when you're in the WWE and you're running, you know, forty some odd weeks a year, doing how many, however many hundred shows and they're giving you scripted promos and you probably have a couple of hours to, to memorize and run out there and, and try and make them sound good. That's why a lot of them come off as like the same and mechanical. You're right, Dave. Guys like Ambrose and, and Bray Wyatt seem like at least two of the guys that for whatever reason, again, it seems like 
they've been allowed to kind of do their own thing. And those promos are coming off as gold. And you hear the, the, the rumblings that Triple H is more of an old school guy and, and wants to see some of that old school feel. And maybe these are some of the changes that we're seeing in, you know, from Triple H. Maybe that's what we're going to see as time moves on to, to you know, let these guys kind of go off a little bit and, and do their own thing and create their own characters as opposed to just making someone fit into a role. I really doubt what Ambrose did. And you're right, Dave. You know, and that's the thing with wrestling, man. You know, and even in, in all sports, you know, it, it, if Drew Bledsoe didn't get, you know, knocked out of the football game, we may never have seen Tom Brady. But Tom Brady took that, that opportunity and ran with it, you know. Someone goes down with an injury, and, you know, if there's a spot to be had, you you know, you go and you take it. And all, all respect and, and admiration to Ambrose. Ambrose has gone out there, and he's taken it. And... You know, arguably, you know, the most popular guy in the company right now. And, you know, he's on the rise. And do we wind up seeing another, uh, you know, meteoric rise out of a superstar, a guy that, you know, really was languishing in the third spot in the shield, uh, arguably the most popular guy in the company right now. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. You want to talk Ambrose? You want to just talk about what happened last week on WWE Programming? Bring it. We got Mike on the line. Mike, how you doing this evening? Good, guys. How are you guys doing this evening? We're doing all right. What do you got for us tonight? All right. Well, this weekend I went to two house shows. Um, cool. I I went to uh, a house show in Trenton, New Jersey, and then yesterday I went to Bridgeport because I went to a house show in Bridgeport because I was disappointed in Trenton because it was like a B, a very B, a very B show, to where the only great match on the card was Sami Zayn versus um, versus uh, Neville for the uh, NXT belt. And that was you said that was the Trenton show. Yeah, it was in Trenton. The main event um, to that to the main event um, to that show to that show was the uh, was the big show. And Dean Am- and Dean Ambrose, um, they, he wrestled uh, Randy Orton and uh, Kane. How was that match? Uh, match was good. You know, match was was good as as, expe- as expected. It was a good. It was a good. It was a good match. I mean, it wasn't like I said. It wasn't the best match on the card. Um, and then Rus- and then Rusev um, also uh, Rusev also lost um, to Mark Henry. <laughs> via disqualification and that was a pretty good match. Oh, but um the match the match that really stole the show for me um was in Connecticut. John Cena was getting the holy hell beat out of him by Seth Rollins for like the whole entire match. And then he finally made his uh his comeback and he uh and he and he won. Oh was it a good match though? Yeah, it was good. It was just it was just made me think of SummerSlam. Like, why is Cena getting the holy hell beat out of him again? <laughs> you know, you know, it's like ha- you know, it's like half um, Seth Rollins doing all these uh, moves and stuff. And uh, shame, and 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 it's also funny they had Sheamus beat Bray Wyatt um, because of uh, interference from the Usos and um, and Rowan and Harper. So they had they had matches uh, they had matches like that going on. 
So let me ask that, Mike. I mean, you brought up uh, Rowan and Harper, and and per uh, what we saw last week on, on Monday Night Raw, it, it seems like they might be. I don't know if they're breaking up the whites or what exactly they're doing, but it looks like Luke Harper is is due for a bit of a push. Uh, you in support of that? You like what they're doing? Yeah, I, I mean breaking up the breaking up the the I, I you know I the to say it this way breaking up the Wyatts and if they give Luke Harper a better push than than way than than um, than than the other Bryant Wyatts uh, than Bray um, tongue tied sorry than Bray Wyatt I, I I think that's ridiculous I mean Bray Wyatt's much better than Luke Harper any day. But I see where they're going with this, and then if they're going to do that and they're going to give him a push, uh, I'm in support of it. Yeah, I mean, I want to see good wrestling. Yeah, it's funny because for me, and, I, and, you know, Dave wants to chime in here too. I mean, it, it was interesting, you know, watching that, that segment. And as much as, look, and I, and I, I said it a while ago on the show, I, I was lucky you know, when, when uh, the Wrestling on Fire program were associated with the NWA, I got to do commentary on one of Luke Harper's final matches uh, in the NWA. Uh, he wrestled in upstate New York. And, uh, you know, as I was calling the match, you know, after we were done, I'm like, this guy's got, you know, so much talent. Uh, you know, the sky's the limit on, on what this guy can do. I mean, for a big man, some of the athletic moves he was able to pull off were – yeah, Pretty phenomenal, and, and I was I was looking for big things for him, you know, even before he he came to the WWE. Um, but it's weird to me, as much as I think that you know, if you're going to push someone in the Wyatt family, Luke Harper's the guy, you know, as opposed to uh, Rowan. Um, but it, it seems like out of left field that all of a sudden, and it's not like they're breaking them up, but they're out of nowhere, just kind of Bray Wyatt, you know, cutting a promo on Luke Harper. So, like, storyline-wise, I don't know exactly where they're going to go with it. So I'm kind of – I can't say that I'm – I'm in favor of Luke Harper getting a push per se, but as far as the storytelling goes, I can't say that, I, that it, it makes a lot of sense right now. It, it's just kind of odd for me. But I do think Luke Harper is is quite the talent, and I could see Luke Harper kind of slotting into a – a Kane type role uh, moving forward over the years, especially as Kane gets older and eventually is going to retire. Um, so I think Harper's got a lot of talent, a lot of things you can do with him. I just don't know how much I, the, the storytelling right now makes sense to me. What do you think, Dave? Um, I, I liked the vignettes that they had played, uh, you know, last Monday night, introducing that, you know, Harper's kind of going to go on his own direction. Um, it didn't necessarily say that the Wyatts are being broken up because at one point Rowan was featured in the vignette, so I guess they'll still kind of be a, a faction or a stable or whatever you want to call it. Um, I just don't think and I'm in favor of him getting a push. He's very talented. Ken, I totally agree with you. If you didn't say it, I was going to. Ken, you know, Harper, I think, eventually will have a, a role where similar to Kane's. He'll be, you know, that, that monster. He'll be reliable for them. He'll, he'll work with all the main eventers, but he might not be the guy to hold the championship someday. But he will be seen as an important figure to their roster and to WWE storylines. He's got quite the career ahead of him in WWE, in my opinion. Um, but I just don't think right now is the right time, in my opinion, personally. I mean, 
let, let me just retract and go back here for just a second, and I, I won't take up too much of your time here. The Wyatts have always been seen as somewhat of a cult. They've never come out and say that they are a cult. Harper and Rowan have always been looked at as Wyatt's followers, and Bray Wyatt is the leader of this cult, this family, or whatever you want to call them. But they've never come out and said that they are followers. And you would think that with cults and followers, these followers get brainwashed by this cult leader. I think if they kind of embellished and brought out more of that brainwash factor from the leader to his followers, um, you know, in, in Wyatt with Harper and Rowan, I think that would add a different dynamic to the storyline and to that group and the gimmick that they have. I think that there's a there's more mileage with the three of them together as a unit, and especially with Harper and Rowan as a team. I mean, they were built up as an unbelievable force down in NXT. When they came up to the main roster, they were made to be a big deal for a long time, and it just kind of seemed that like the past month and a half, two, a few months or so, since probably the beginning of the summer, they've just kind of like taken you know a, a downturn, so to speak. I think what they what they should have done was after the recent string of losses that Harper and Rowan had against the Usos in those great tag team matches, by the way, I will say, I think that those two should have, their characters should have almost been in fear of having to return to Bray Wyatt without the gold, without coming up with a win, or without coming up with doing serious damage to the Usos and affecting their career and the longevity of it. And I think that they could have taken that fear that they had from reporting to their leader, their 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 messiah, so to speak, and capitalize on that. And then Bray's brainwashing antics and controlling of their mind could eventually start the turn of splitting them up as a family, or maybe making Wyatt a babyface because he's so friggin' popular, and having Rowan and Harper turn on him or something. I mean, I just think it's just, like you said, Ken, out of left field. It's very sudden, very random, out of the blue. Um, but I hope that whatever it is, that they just kind of run with it and they don't stop themselves in their tracks when something goes wrong one week. Like, they don't – that's the problem that they have with storylines now. And I'll finish my point here, is that they don't let things develop. They, if they see something wrong immediately, it's like, oh, we got we to gotta switch it up and, and – or, or completely scrap it all t- together. And in some cases, I think it's good to switch it up. In other cases, I don't think that they really let the story develop. And that's why I think that this Harper singles push, it's good, but not for the time being right now. So what do you think, Mike? I, 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 think, I think this is a good topic. I, I definitely, uh, you know, for someone that thinks this is his own show and, I, you know, and, and everybody, I could have people on hold and, and listen to what I have to say. Thanks a lot, Dave, for pointing it out today. But anyway, anyway, um, and anyway I, I, think this, I, I think this is very true. You know, and also WWE, you know, we talk about fixing things. Uh, I was kind of confused myself Saturday night watching Goldust and Stardust take on Xavier Woods and um, Kofi Kingston with Biggie Langston outside. And, uh, uh, and uh, I thought these guys were, were heels. And meanwhile, well, because, you know, they were facing, uh, and the titles were not on the line, which was weird, but they were facing Stardust and Goldust who are heels. And I was saying, I thought this group was a heel group. They came out, they cut a promo about being held down and we will not be held down and like a nation of domination type. And then here comes Goldust and Stardust coming out, and people are cheering for Kofi in them. 
So I don't know yeah, what I mean. Mean, I mean, and that's a good point. I mean, as you know, <laughs> the show's going to morph into what it was last week. But, yeah, I mean, that, that group, uh, to me, they don't know what the hell they're doing with them. I mean, it's an interesting pairing. And, you, you know, you got three guys, you know, that are talented and, they, you know, maybe you go an Asian domination route or whatever. But it, it seems like, you know, I and I hate to say it, but it was like, you know, hey, look, three black guys. Let's throw them together. We'll figure out what to do with them next. But they're all black, so let's. I, they should all be together. I mean, it, it's just. Yeah, one it, of them it should be wearing the goofy, but goofy it, it feels headgear. Like that's what they did. Yeah, one of them should be wearing goofy headgear, like Farouk. <laughs> when, when when Farouk first came in, and, and and maybe not that many not that many people know. You know, it's an interesting topic too. That the fact that Magic's X Clan, which which he um which he, he that, you know he named and and I joined the group the X Clan, um that was based off of the Nation of Domination, and I remember I was sitting in Madison Square Garden when the Nation of Domination was formed, and just it was just like you know you could feel something good for it to come you know, and uh and and then I think the I think it went downhill when Ahmed Johnson. Join the join the uh, the group because you know Ahmed was a uh, enemy of theirs. They were fighting and you know, hey, uh, yesterday was the anniversary of Brian Pillman's death, and I was posting like crazy yesterday about it because you know it made me made me um, it made me tear up because when I went to Bridgeport, Port Connecticut yesterday, there was a guy and he had a Brian Pillman shirt on and he had a sign that said Brian Pillman three sixteen and. Never forget Brian Pillman, and I just want to get your thought on it. On this, did you guys order the Bad Blood pay per view because you knew it was going to be a great pay per view, and you knew it was going to be something with Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels and Hell in a Cell? Did you, my question to you is, did you guys order the pay per view, and were, obviously you guys were shocked by what you seen? Uh, yeah, I mean I did. Um, it was you know Brian Pillman was one of those guys that. Um, you know, obviously gone too soon. Um, you know, injuries. Uh, was it was it a car accident, a motorcycle accident? It was a. I want to say, car accident. It was a car accident. I mean, I know you know, a, a guy that had all the potential in the world that really, uh, you know, due to injuries, uh, you know, sidelined his his in ring career. Um, Even you know, before guy, when he was a baby. Sorry, when he was a baby. He had neck surgeries when he was a baby, when he was a kid. Uh, it, was, it was one of those things, like, I, I feel like it, you know, his run in the WWE, like, it, it basically got derailed uh, before it even really got going. And it's a sad story, because I, I do think that uh, he's a guy who could have had a, a really uh, substantial career. Um, you know, not necessarily a, a main eventer or a consistent main eventer, but a guy maybe who... Solid mid Carter that would flirt with the main event. Loved his promos. Um, you know, you could almost uh, see the influence of a Brian Pillman on a Dean Ambrose uh, as far as promo work. Uh, but yeah, definitely uh, shocking. Your thoughts, Dave, on Pillman? I didn't order the pay per view. Um, I watched the the, the free for all and Vince McMahon made the announcement. It was very shocking. Um, it was good. I, I was very interested in that loose cannon. Um, Brian Pillman character at the time. I loved Pillman 
you know, when he was flying, Brian, I loved his stuff in the Hollywood Blondes. I thought he was an excellent talent. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, Brian Pillman was dropping pipe bombs before CM Punk was, was you know, uh, even thought about getting into the wrestling business. Um, imagine Brian Pillman, if he didn't get hurt, and he, you know, the, the character, that loose cannon character that was really ahead of its time, um, you know, I'd say Goldust was the precursor to the Attitude Era. Brian Pillman was right there with him. Imagine, a, a, you know, Brian Pillman didn't get in that car accident, didn't derail his WWE career, what they would have done with him and what he could have done during the Attitude Era. I mean, we might be having a different conversation as far as, like, who who would have been the greatest of all time. Pillman might have been up there in that in that category because he had that very attitude attitudinal character that was very similar to Steve Austin's. But uh, but he kind of went over the line a few times, but it got people's attention. So, um, he, he like I said, ahead of his time, great talent, gone too soon. Uh, injuries, of course, you know, took a toll on him, and unfortunately he's not with us anymore. But um, he was one of the first – I wouldn't say he was an innovator, but he was one of the first guys to, to wrestle a light heavyweight style, you know, lucha style in America. That he brought, you know, the Japanese and lucha style over to the United States, and um, you know, that's inspired many, many people to this day. Brian Pillman crushed over. Um, Brian Pillman crushed over Japan. Every time he went to Japan, people wanted to see Brian Pillman wrestle. And I have a, you know, I I have a a big, you know, following about Brian Pillman, and, and when I was growing up, I, I loved Brian Pillman, and then when he joined the Heart Foundation, I thought it was very good that he joined the Heart Foundation because, you know, he trained with the Heart Foundation. He trained under the Heart Foundation, so it was kind of interesting. And the other interesting point is that him and, and, uh, him and Steve Austin fed well off each other. So when he came into the WWF at that time, and they did the attitude and you know Brian Pillman was sitting home with a with a gun, and Austin broke in the house, and then it just the feed, you know, they the feed went off the air, and they lost it, and they came back, and they got everything under control. It was like a oh my god moment. The ratings, you know, went through you know went through the roof, you know, because everybody wanted to see what was going to happen with this loose cannon. What, you know, once he went left WCW, he went to ECW, just like Austin did, you know, and, 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 and made a little bit of an impact there and then came to WWE. But, Ken, I agree with you. He he wasn't a main eventer. He could have been a main eventer. I mean, the guy got injured in a car accident, and then he's wrestling um, Goldust. He's wrestling on SummerSlam. And the guy, had did, you know, did very good for himself. You know, great matches, you know. So another guy though that's gone gone too soon. Definitely gone too soon. Mike, thanks a lot for the phone call, and uh, hopefully we get a good raw tonight, and we'll talk about it next week. All right, guys, I'll speak to you next week. I'm going to be heading tomorrow. I'm going to be driving again to SmackDown. I got my ticket to this morning, um, so I'm going to be heading to check out SmackDown. I can't wait. But anyway, I will let you guys go because I know you guys have calls. I know I'm not the only one, but I will speak to you. Next week we'll do this again and uh and we'll talk soon. Thanks guys for my time and I'll talk to you later. All right. You know, it's interesting, you know, Mike bringing up Brian Pillman and again another guy gone too soon, but you can definitely see uh the influences that uh you know, perhaps uh 
uh, Dean Ambrose uh, studied up a little bit on Brian Pillman as he was uh, coming up with his own promo style. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you see the, the the walking, the talking, the the, the the facial expressions. You know, how do you move your hands? How you how, you know everything about your character. The minute you walk out that curtain, the minute you know the the, the bell rings. You know, you have to you have to exemplify that to the audience. And that's something that Jake Roberts has been a big proponent of. You know, everything, everything that you do, you know, hand movements, hand gestures, everything. That is all a part of your character. That's what you are selling to that audience that pays a ticket to see you is what you do. You know, some people may look up to you and, and like the way that you, like you said, you, you, you put your hands through your hair. And so, I mean, it's little, it's little things that count, that matter, that, that go a long way with your character. And Ambrose does that, and I think he gets a lot of that from Tillman. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and it's a good point. And again, when we talk about like what we're seeing now, the guys that are resonating as far as character work and promo work and all that stuff, you look at uh, Bray and, and Ambrose. I mean, those are the two guys that, um, you know, are really putting great characters uh, forth. And uh, you're right, I mean, the way – you know, to, to portray a character, you know, and portray it effectively. And, and you, you kind of hit it, Dave, and couldn't agree with you more. You know, if you're going to, if, if you scratch your head, it's, it's not, you know, how you scratch It's not, I'm scratching my head. It's, it's how would Dean Ambrose scratch his head? You know, it's, it's, everything has to be within that character. You know, if I, if I'm going to point to the Titan Tron to look at, well, it's not me. It's how would Dean Ambrose point at the Titan Tron and, Guys like Ambrose and Wyatt, it's like it's all the subtleties in their characters that are really working. Now, right now, we're seeing, uh, you know, Ambrose smack dab in the middle of, uh, you know, a, a decent storyline, a, a main event type storyline uh, going on right now. However, Bray, a guy that uh, is, is kind of languishing right now. And, and I want to kind of circle back a little bit to the, the Wyatt family discussion because, as much as, you know, we, we hit it that the Luke Harper thing seems out of left field. All right, so fine. They're, they're going to give Luke Harper a bit of a singles push uh, going forward. Where does that leave Bray? I, I mean, arguably, you know, when Bray started and he came in, and we said it here on the show that, you know, continuing in this vein, we're looking at a Bray Wyatt moving into that, that upper echelon of greatest talkers ever that's how good we thought his promos were you know right off the bat saying wow this guy has got some serious talent on the microphone and and now that character is just kind of languishing it's it's treading water and i I mean it, it almost seemed like to me that the way they were doing the 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 luke harper thing and the way they're getting him geared up for a singles push and you said it, Dave. It's, it's supposed to kind of be a cult. It almost put Bray Wyatt in a manager-type role, that he was the, the, the manager kind of, you know, selling everybody on his talent, and his talent is, is Luke Harper. And it just it, it's an unusual place for a guy who's, who's young and, and seemingly would, would have a, you know, I mean, geez, just pick the person on, on the roster you want to run a program with because, I mean, even if you can't talk, Bray will carry you. And and now it's like, where 
does the character of, of Bray Wyatt go? I mean, is, I mean, I'm, I don't know your thoughts, Dave, watching it, but to me, it seemed like Bray was almost in that managerial role. And are they going to kind of pull back a bit on Bray Wyatt's in-ring stuff and have him be Luke Harper's mouthpiece for a while? Just seemed unusual to me. Yeah, I, I, I can see what you're, what you're saying there, and I do agree with you to a certain extent. I do think that he could be seen in some of the mouthpiece managerial role for Harper. However, in order for Harper to get on his own, get over on his own, excuse me, he's going to have to have the ability to cut his own promos. Um, you know, they're, they're, you know, in the promo, Wyatt said, I'm setting him free. Well, now it's his time as, as he has his freedom, so to speak, for, for, for him to, you know, differentiate himself from the rest of that group. Um, and that would be his ability to talk. Um, we've heard little glitches of him in promos, and he's not bad, he's not terrible, but we need to hear more in order for us to emotionally invest in this Luke Harper singles run and his character. Um, I I think for the time being to transition Harper into this singles run, it would be best to associate him with Wyatt still and to keep the Wyatt family intact um, and maybe have you know Bray Wyatt be somewhat of a mouthpiece for the time being while he still wrestles from time to time. But at the same time, um, what if they went the route where, you know, Wyatt set Harper free and that wasn't the best thing for him to do because now you set this dangerous monster, this animal free, and he comes back to bite you. You know, the guy that you, you brainwashed, that you trained to be this cold-blooded killer, this, this, this you know, unforgivable animal has now turned his back on you, you know, like you, you, I, I could potentially see, you know, the, the, the freedom that Luke Harper's character has and, you know, Bray Wyatt setting him free might come back to haunt him eventually. Um, that, that, that's where I could see this whole thing playing out. But as of late, WWE has um, made me feel differently in terms of, you know, not having enough faith and hope. And I've always been very optimistic. But, you know, when I saw the promo, I was like, you know, last week I was like, what are they I'm like, they're going to give him a run. I'm like, why are they doing this? I don't think it's right. I think they should, you know, keep him as a team, keep him as a unit. And, you know, it just kind of, I was, I was like, I wasn't really too thrilled with it, to be honest with you. Um, not saying that Harper couldn't do this stuff on his own, but it kind of made me feel like, you know, they're not, they don't have faith in keeping them all together, so let's just throw one of them out and, and, and see how he does on his own. Part of me thinks this also might be somewhat of an experiment while keeping him still closely attached to the Wyatt family and the Wyatt family gimmick in the event that he doesn't work out on his own. Well, we can just throw him back in a tag team with with, with Rowan because they're still associated as a family together. Yeah, it just again, it just seems kind of disjointed, though, as far as the to- storytelling goes. And I I don't know. I, I You know, I, 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 again, love what Bray Wyatt has brought to the table. It's just... Uh, it's a shame now. Like, it's weird for me now as a fan to watch some of Bray Wyatt's stuff and almost be uninterested. And I don't I don't mean that as, as a reflection of Bray Wyatt. It's just they're not giving him something substantial. I mean, he's still, you know, 
very interesting and, and, and gives great promos. I mean, I, I love his, his speech pattern, and I love how he how he talks and, and everything about the character. But it, it's, I, I don't know, like Bray Wyatt starts talking, I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. It's not like, I mean, and again, not a reflection on him. It's just that they're not giving him uh, a substantial storyline, which is, as for me, I'm a huge fan of his. And for me to be sitting there watching, you know, wrestling and 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 thinking, uh, yeah, I'm kind of uninterested with what Bray Wyatt's doing, is is unusual. Um, and and I hope they they do something substantial with him. Um, you know, maybe this leads to Bray Wyatt versus Luke Harper. Uh, I don't know. It just again, um, the promos were were interesting, but it just it seemed kind of out of left field. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. As we inch closer and closer to Monday Night Raw, let's go out of the phones. We got Justin who's been waiting patiently on hold. Justin, how you doing this evening? I miss you, Ken. Miss you too. You know, I'm so glad you called tonight because I, you know, Dave. I don't know if you heard the beginning of the show, but a little bit of news that uh, Edge and Christian. Spotted in Brooklyn, uh, perhaps we're going to see Edge and Christian on Monday Night Raw tonight. Are you serious? I knew you'd be excited. <clears throat> I hope so. If, if you're watching Monday Night Raw tonight and Edge is on the show, let, let, just just give us a window. How would that make you feel? At least so super. <laughs> I love I love the the the, the succinct one word answers you give. <laughs> Are you looking forward to Monday Night Raw tonight? Yes, I am. Aside from Edge potentially being on the show tonight, what are you looking forward to most? Um, I I, I think you and Dave are a, a, a nice a, a nice you and Dave are nice guys. Believe that. And believe that. Believe that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, what are you looking forward to on Raw tonight? Um, I can't wait to see Edge and Christian come back. That's all. You know, let me ask you because we haven't touched upon this in the show, and I, let me let me get your thoughts. And uh, you know, Dave and I'll go get into it a little bit. But oh, last week on Monday Night Raw. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been interesting because Rusev, as, as our friend Ronaldo, we talked about a little, uh, you know, the pillar almost right now, the mid-card. Uh, definitely, a, a, you know, a good character. You know, Rusev, the evil Russian. And, uh, you know, we're all pro-USA, and we want to see our, our Russian enemy vanquished, obviously. And Big Show has taken up the mantle as far as defending our honor. And uh, last week rips down the Russian flag, which... Uh, I guess the WWE maybe has gotten some flack over some some Russians, Russian Americans, none too pleased with uh, Big Show ripping down the Russian flag. Um, now, obviously, maybe it was a case of some overzealous patriotism. Rusev, obviously, none too happy about it. But Big Show ripping down the Russian flag uh, last night on Monday Night Raw. Justin, do you have a problem with that? Not really. Ah, <laughs> oh, Justin. My Bye. questions are so much longer than your answers. Thank you. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Uh, I, I miss these conversations, Justin. I know. Any, anything else you're looking forward on on Raw tonight? Um, I can't wait to see Randy Orton. Oh, cool. <clears throat> Who's Randy? Do we have a match yet? Who's Randy facing tonight? He's facing um, the Miz. Is he? Well, take it out. I think you're making stuff up. There. <laughs> <My bad. laughs> Justin, you're awesome. Thank you so much for the phone call. We'll talk to you next week. Sure. Hey, Take it hey, easy, hey, brother. You know what? Have a good night. Thank you. You know what, Ken? What? You're a super. We are super. Thank you for the comment. And you're super, too. Thank you. Take it easy, Justin. We'll talk to you next week. All right. And Justin, always entertaining phone call. He was kind of like, he, he was uh not elaborating much tonight. Uh, definitely the, the shorter answers. Um, so Justin not, does not have a problem with uh, Big Show ripping down the, the Russian flag. Um, it was interesting. You know, you wonder, was there actual actual flag or was it a storyline? I remember back, uh, way back when, and don't ask me to remember actual dates, but uh Back in the 80s, Hogan was was doing a thing, doing a program with uh, Nikolai Volkov. Something similar, uh, took the flag off uh, um, the flagpole, threw it down. I think he stomped on it. And then there was uh, Jesse Ventura, who was doing commentary, was, you know, oh, Gino, that was so disrespectful to the Russian flag. And uh, then they did something in the WWE magazine, WWF magazine at the time, that was, you know, that that basically said Jesse Ventura um, had a point and was that disrespectful, and they kind of uh, asked Hogan to defend uh, why he did that to the Russian flag. So kind of similar, everything that's that's uh, new is old again, or everything that's old is new again, uh, whatever the phrase goes. Um, you know, it was a cool moment. Uh, again, Rusev, as Ronaldo said, uh, one of the pillars of the mid-card, Enjoying it. It's a fun little storyline, fun little program with a big show right now. As much as it seems very repetitive, for whatever reason, I'm still into Rusev. Um, but Dave, as a as a, as an American, uh, I don't know if you're Russian or not, but did you have a problem with uh, the Russian flag being desecrated last week? Well, I will drop some international knowledge here with you and let you know that there's a I have some Russian ties in my family. Um, I, I'm a European mutt. There's a lot of things I am, uh, but I won't get into that. That's for another show or another topic. But um, <laughs> I didn't have a I didn't have a problem with the um, with the storyline and with the the fact that you know the Russian flag was um, which w- was basically you know taken off of its uh, you know it, its stand or whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I mean, you know. It's not uncommon to see something like that in wrestling. I mean, Shawn Michaels took the Canadian flag, stuck it up his nose. He practically tried to give birth to it one time, I believe, you know, and have sex with it, you know, in the middle of the ring. Um, I mean, he's he's done quite a lot to the Canadian flag. Um, the Iraq War, I believe, they had, you know, when Slaughter was the Iraqi sympathizer, they used the Iraqi flag to drape over Hogan's limp body and, um, you know, so I mean, flags in wrestling and international cultures, it, it's it's nothing new. I just think the difference between the the Hogan incident from the '80s and 
this now is the fact that WWE is a publicly traded company and they care more about their image um, now than they did, you know, 25, 30 years ago. So, uh, I mean, I didn't have an issue with it. I've, I've liked the Big Show Rusev interaction because now the challenge for me as a viewer is how are they going to creatively get to the point where how Rusev's going to beat Big Show or if he's going to beat Big Show because Big Show is his toughest test in storylines for, for, you know, to, to move past. So that's, that's what's interested me. Um, I liked the angle, you know, a couple of weeks ago where he knocked them out and, uh, you know, they, they closed SmackDown with the, the entire audience chanting USA. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, how the match is going to unfold tonight. Rusev's been, Rusev has done some good work um, since he's arrived, especially with his stuff from Jack Swagger until now. So um, I, I like it. I look forward to seeing where it's going to go. I presume it's going they're going to have a match at the pay-per-view between um, him and Big Show. But for me, creatively, because I, I, I have a tendency to think and overthink wrestling storylines, how are they going to stimulate me as, as a member of the audience by, you know, how they're going to get Rusev to beat Big Show, you know, and how big Big Show is and how small Rusev is compared to Big Show. So that's where I am at with this storyline is, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm salivating at the moment, but I'm eagerly anticipating how they're going to write the, the, the Rusev victory over Big Show. And obviously we'll probably get, you know, that storyline uh, furthered a bit tonight as, as we're a little less than five minutes away from Monday Night Raw. A Monday Night Raw to be hosted by Hoda and Kathy Lee, which is definitely something we can all look forward to tonight. Um, but, I, you know, one of the bigger things, um, obviously we're going to get, a, you know, some more of the authority. We'll see where John Cena and Dean Ambrose stand right now as, as that uh, quote-unquote friendship is uh, uh, tenuous at best. But we're supposed to hear from Roman Reigns tonight. And as uh, we stated here tonight, you know, Someone goes down with an injury, and, and Ambrose has definitely taken that spot and, uh, you know, kind of ran with it um, and put himself in a really good position to uh, at least to a certain extent, even when Roman Reigns comes back, to kind of make uh, people in the front offices of the WWE have to think twice as far as where they're going with, with guys because Ambrose is definitely getting uh, more and more popular week in and week out. But we're going to hear from Roman Reigns um you know, it's interesting. I, I mean, you still figure Reigns is, is a ways away. Um, geez, you know, I, I sit there. It's like, was he going to talk about his, his hernia surgery uh, again? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, are your thoughts on what do you think we might hear from Reigns tonight? I think this is a combination of a couple of things. One, I think it's to keep him – Keep him relevant in storylines for the time being because they probably don't know how long he's going to be out. Um, I I think that they don't want viewers to forget that, you know, this guy was on the rise and, you know, he's going to come back eventually. Um, so I think it's just to keep him in the fan's eye. Yes, update on the injury. Um, but maybe maybe this interview, whether it's going to be in-ring or if it's going to be something via satellite or something that was been pre-recorded, uh, maybe this is going to be, um, you know, a, a telling sign of where they go with him in a storyline when he does return to WWE. So um, I'm interested to see that. Um, I think, you know, you and I are, are big Roman Reigns supporters. I still am to this day. I go, I'm not, I'm not one of those guys that's gonna, 
you know, give up on him once he makes it to the top, like most people who were John Cena fans who now hate John Cena. Um, but I think Roman Reigns is, um, you know, he he had lost the, the reaction from the audience, but his reactions hadn't gotten any bigger. And I think this absence is definitely helping fans feel some sort of sympathy for this character. So when he comes back, they got, you know, something to, 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 to fall on and root behind with him. Um, you know, this guy coming back from a hernia surgery, you know, opportunity at the WWE title or whatever they, whatever direction they decide to go with him. It, it gives, you know, an emotional attachment for the audience to him that like, all right, we got somebody to get behind now. He's back. He's going to, you know, coming to save the day again. So um, I think this injury has kind of been a blessing to him because I, I wouldn't say he was stale, but he wasn't exactly the hottest topic on the block, um, you know, for the past several months in WWE. So maybe maybe this injury is, is, a, is a blessing. It helped him. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Maybe when he comes back, people will feel more uh, in, inclined to uh, get behind him. Well, I mean, the comeback storyline, you know, always works. Um, so him, you know, coming back uh, is definitely, you're right. I mean, maybe it's something, it's interesting. I mean, it's a double-edged sword. You know, does him being out do him some good? And when he comes back, uh, it kind of re-energizes fans and how they feel about him. Um, or, you know, does his absence uh, kind of throw him back a couple of pegs and uh, other people kind of stepped up and maybe he moves to the back of the line, or maybe back a few notches. Remains to be seen, but I do totally agree with you. I, I think tonight we'll, we'll get little to nothing out of Roman Reigns. Uh, you know, it's it's not going to be much of a interview or promo. I, I think this is purely uh, WWE just being like, hey, you know, don't, don't forget about this guy. You know, uh, yeah, you're, you're all, like, going nuts for uh, that Ambrose guy, but... Uh, we got big plans for this this Roman Reigns uh, fella here, so uh, we're going to throw him on your TV. So that's what I think we're going to get, just kind of to keep him relevant. Uh, wow, and there we go. It is time for Monday Night Raw. Callers, thanks for calling in tonight. We'll be back tomorrow at 6.30. Pop Life tomorrow night at 10.30. For Dave, I am Ken. Good night, everybody. <laughs>